0: If you have a Bible, I'll get you to go ahead. If you would remain standing just for one minute, one more second. If you have a Bible, I'll get you to go ahead and turn it to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to hang out here for our time today. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I got a word for you. I can't wait to get off my chest, so I'm excited to give it to you, and just, God's been speaking to me all week about this. Second Kings chapter 4, as you turn there, I want to welcome you. If you're new to King's Church, my name is Brandon. the senior pastor here. We are thrilled you're with us. If you're watching online, we want to say hello to all of you, and then, of course, everybody in at East St. John at the Cineplex Theater. Let's welcome everybody who's not here right now, but you're in another area, another location. All right, I want to jump right in. I got 44 minutes and 37 seconds, so I'm going to get going. 2 Kings chapter 4, this is a story some of you may or may not be familiar with. This is not one of the famous, famous stories of the Bible, but it's, it's, it's well known. But I don't know if you've ever heard this preached on before, so I'm excited to jump in. Verse 8 says in chapter 4 of 2 Kings, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, that's a town, went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. She urged him to stay, Elisha, for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way, I know he's a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and let's put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp in it for him. Then he can stay with us whenever he comes. One day, in verse 11 says, one day when Elisha did come, he went up to his room and he lay down there he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. You've been so kind to us. You've made a room for us. You've gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? I want to bless you back. Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? How can I help you? She replied, I have a home among my own people, which is to say my family take good care of me. I'm good, I'm good. Verse 14 says, what can be done for her? Uh, Or Verse 14, what can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband's old. Then Elisha said, call her. her, bring her to me. So he called her and she stood in the doorway and he said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. This time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Count on it. No, my Lord, she objected. Don't, don't mislead your servant, O oh man of God. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. I want to talk to you today from the topic, from the title, What to Expect When You're, in, when you're Expecting. You know that book? What to Expect When You're Expecting. Okay, I have another title. I've got three titles. That's how pumped I am about this message. Uh, Here's the second one. The Mechanics of a Miracle. Or, Or I'm calling it Birthing a Blessing. Pick a title. We're going to talk about that. Let's pray. God, we ask you right now in Jesus' name. We pray that uh, the spirit of God would speak to us, would illuminate our hearts. God, you would remove the veil that we would see a truth that we have not seen. We pray, God, that you'd speak something into our hearts and you'd bring life where there was no life. God, would it not be my words, but would it be your words And we leave here changed, we pray, in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Give a high five to someone around you that you can go ahead and grab a seat. If you're online, I don't know who you're going to high five right now, but. It was uh, back in November, I had come and picked up my kids from a day at daycare. They they attend a a daycare here at the church, actually. I'd pick them up at the end of the day, and I'm driving my two older kids home. I have three kids, Ava, who's eight, and Aiden, who is six, and I have Alexander, who is one. Alexander the Conqueror, we call him. Uh, aptly named, let me tell you, but uh, we, 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 I picked up my, my two oldest kids, Ava and Aiden, and we're driving home, and we get about halfway home, it's not a far drive, but it was long enough for him, to, for my son Aiden to ask me a question that I was not prepared for. We're driving home, and, and it's just quiet, we'd finish the, the regular platitudes of how was your day, what did you learn, nothing, good, okay, and we, you know, how kids, say, nothing, didn't learn nothing, how would you sit in school all day and not learn nothing, even good grammar they haven't learned yet. And we're driving home, and, and, and out of the dead silence in the back of our SUV, my son pipes up. Hey, Dad. just go, Justin here. Yeah, bud. He goes, where do babies come from? Canada. Say what? Say what? Where do babies come from? Ah. Uh, I was not ready for this question from my six-year-old, my wife and I have not had the talk with our six-year-old yet, and and I wasn't quite ready to end and know what to say. So I I said, um, from your mom's belly is where they come from. And and he promptly asked a a good question, okay, but how did the baby get in there? And furthermore, how did the baby get out? How does the baby get out of the belly? And we're driving home and I'm frozen and awestruck and I said, Look, they have their Christmas lights up. (laughs) Crisis averted. He forgot, but we're going to have to figure that one out and talk to him about that. But that's a question everybody has come to ask as a kid, or if you're a parent, your kids will eventually ask you that question, because there is something mind-blowing about human reproduction and childbirth, isn't there? And even as a kid, although we don't know the mechanics and the biology of it all, there's something that kind of trips our wires when we see that humans somehow have this capacity to produce more humans. And kids come up at an early age that they wonder about this. How do you produce more little people? Like, where did Alexander come from to disrupt our whole household? How did that happen? And we all ask that question at some point, and although as we grow older and we go through grade six and we learn a little bit about anatomy and biology and we figure out enough to satisfy our curiosity, the, the fact of the miracle of childbirth remains the same. And if you talk to any doctors or physicians or people who, are, who, who know the most about human reproduction, it's magical and mysterious. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle. And so kids are right to ask the question, how do you produce more kids? That's crazy. And although we stop asking that question about how do we make more babies, we learn how to do that at some point in our lives, in our journey. As we come into our talk today, I want to ask the question, because I think we still ask this question. How does one produce a miracle? How do we as believers, for instance, those of us who follow Jesus, maybe you're not even a believer, maybe you're someone, you you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you're open to God and you've prayed to God before, but you've never actually experienced the, the quote unquote new life that comes by the power of God. And so you'll come to church and we'll sing the songs or you'll even read your scripture and you'll wonder, or maybe you'll see somebody else that's just coming to life because of God and you wonder, okay, how do I do that for my life? You ever wondered how to make more miracles, make more breakthroughs, make more blessings? You ever wonder how to actually experience God moving in your life? That's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes today. I want to talk about this idea of what does it take to make a breakthrough? To, what does it take to produce? a miracle or a move of God. Do you know that Like, if you read your Bible and you take it seriously, you can't read this Bible seriously and think that God is anything less than powerful and present and willing to act on your behalf. However, there's a lot of us, our experience is not anything like that. We've not experienced the hand of God move on our behalf. We've not seen a miracle happen before our eyes. We've not actually experienced that. Or maybe you've been praying for something for a long time and you're wondering, when is this going to actually give birth? When is this going to become a thing? When is this going to produce in my life? And so I want to talk about birthing a blessing. And we're going to pick up in our series today. We've been now two weeks in this idea. We're in this series called The Unveiling. And the unveiling is all about this journey we're going to take, looking at uh, some Old Testament stories from these prophets, these seers, these guys named Elijah and Elisha. These guys were God's representatives on earth during a certain season in the history of Israel, and they're recorded in the book of 2nd and 1st Kings. And we're going to look at their stories, and we're going to ask the question, God, by their stories— what are we currently not seeing that we should be seeing? Our, our memory verse for the whole series is 2 Corinthians uh, four verses sixteen to eighteen about fixing our eyes on what is unseen, not or fixing our eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen, because what is unseen is temporary, and what is or sorry, what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And so we're talking about this idea of the unveiling. And today we pick up in Second Kings chapter four. And if you have a Bible, why don't you just keep it open? We're going to just take the deep dive into this text. You know I'm excited when I'm getting thirsty already. And I'm re- Just to catch you up, and we're going to just jump in. Is anybody ready just to jump into the Bible today? Are we good? East, you good? We're going to jump in, and I'm going to ask this question again. What does it take to see God produce a new work in your life? That's what we're asking. And some of you, I'm sure you've wondered that. Maybe you're a skeptic or maybe you're on the fence of this whole thing and you've seen somebody you know and love that's come alive in Christ and you wonder, okay, what did they do that I haven't done to produce those results in my life? That's what I'm getting at. How do you make more? How do you create a miracle? What does it take to see God do a new work or a new creation in my life? That's the question I want to answer. Now, I can't produce a miracle in your life today as we come to church, but what I can do, and I think we're gonna do as we look at this text, is show you what needs to happen for it to happen. Much like a baby, correct? When you learn about biology, when you learn about how humans reproduce, you can't ensure that that's gonna happen just because you know how it happens, but it helps to know how it happens. Can I get an amen? All right. Second Kings chapter four. I'm gonna pick up in verse eight. And just to give you some back some backstory. The Shunammite woman, the story of the Shunammite woman who finds herself expecting a child, unexpectedly expecting... She finds herself expecting a child. This happens on the backdrop of a miracle that Elisha just performed right prior in verses 1 through 7, where he helps another woman who was poor and destitute, and she needed uh, funding and resources to be able to survive uh, a s- severe uh, lack of food. And so he, he does this great work in that. And then we find it goes from this woman who had nothing to this woman who we find is well-to-do. Another translation says she's a rich woman. This woman's done well. She's succeeded. She's a well to do woman in virtually every way. She's virtuous. She's kind. She's thoughtful. She's faithful. She's done well. She's been successful. This is who we're talking about today. This is the Shunammite woman. Now, disclaimer, really quick. We're just going to do this really quick and then we're going to move on. We are going to parallel her story of conceiving a baby and giving birth to a real baby. We're going to talk about human reproduction. So I want just if let's just take a second and you can tell the sixth grader in your head to take a hike because grownups are going to talk today. Is that cool? So just tell the sixth grader in you that that's going to like tee hee and ha ha. I believe God wants to show you something that is a principle of the kingdom. Do you know that God designed human reproduction and the same God that designed that is the same God that designed how miracles and the kingdom flows in your life? And I don't want you to miss this because you're immature. All right. Yeah? We tracking? East, we tracking? All right, let's jump right in, and we're going we're to just go through this, and you're going to see some things about what it takes to make a miracle in your life. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 8. We'll just go back again, and we'll recap. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman, there she is, a well-to-do woman was there. And she urged Elisha to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. That was his place. When he came to Shunem on tour, he stopped at her house because she took great care of him. She cooked amazing meatloaf. We don't know. But she always took him in. And so she said to her husband one day, I know this man. He is a man of God. He, he is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof of our house. Let's, they they had means Let's add a room on our house. Let's, let's build an extra room. So he, it's a guest room all for him so that whenever he comes, he can stay there. We'll put a, we'll put a bed in there, whatever he needs, a table, a lamp. We'll put, we'll put a DVR and a 50-inch and a 50, 50 flat screen, whatever he wants. I just want this guy to stay in my house. So they made this room for him. And then it says this. One day when Elisha did come, he went up to his room and he was enjoying his room. He's just finished watching Netflix on the Apple TV that she'd installed. And she's thinking, he's thinking, man, the Shunammite woman has been good to me. I'm going to repay her kindness. Do you know God does that? Do you know God can't help but bless you back? Anyway, I guess you don't want to talk about that. Let's keep going. And he said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite." So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to, her, said to him, tell her, you have, you have gone to all this trouble. Now what can be done for you? Now, I want to make a note before I give my first point on how to make a miracle or how to, how to birth a blessing. This w- miracle that she's about to experience, this game-changing, life-altering experience would not have happened if she didn't initiate it. Don't miss this. This is so important. Elisha, who is the the, the representative of God in this story. So whenever you see Elisha do anything, think that's God in the story. That's where God is moving. He's God's conduit. Elisha did not initiate this miracle. She initiated this miracle by what? It says that She went after him, she invited him into her home, she prepared a place for him, she made room for him, she served him, and in response to her, he offered to bless her. Here's the first point, if you're taking notes, and I suggest you should, this is going to help you. If you are going to experience God move in your life, if you're going to experience a blessing, first and foremost, you have to make room for his presence, you have, if you're going to experience God to produce something new in your life, to do something on your behalf that you were not able to do for yourself, you actually have to make space and make room for his presence. It's about proximity. Now, let's go biology for a second. Can we do that? All, all, this, all the sixth grade selves out of the room? We've got some mature sixth graders here probably, if not earmuffs, whatever. When it comes to making babies, no easy way into that story. When it comes to making babies, I'm not an expert. I have successfully participated in the creation of four babies. One of them is in heaven. We lost uh, just, just at the end of the third trimester. Actually, next week, true story we're going to talk about next we're going to talk about uh, next week, we are going to talk about what do you do when, when, a, when a promise is half fulfilled. So come back next week, but today we're going to talk about producing blessings. And, and I, I'm not an expert when it comes to procreation. I'm a preacher, I'm not a biologist. However, I do know enough about this to know one thing, that I do not have the power as a human being, and my wife and I did not have the power as a couple to, to ensure that we would conceive a child. And anybody who's gone through infertility and infertility issues, you know that to be true. You can come together all you want, but there's something that, that, that is out of our control, correct? There's something that we would believe only God does, or only, only God is able to give life. However, although we do not have the power to produce conception, we fully have the power to ensure that we don't. Do you see the difference? We have all the power in the world to make sure we never conceive, correct? It's it's up to us. There is a coming together. There's There's a proximity that has to happen in order for human beings to procreate. Are we tracking? Can we go there? Can we go there? good. Six of us are going to be good to go. If you're not, we got got three full points to go paralleling reproduction, so buckle up. We have the power to make sure conception doesn't happen. Now, stay with me. Actually, just an aside. Can I just say this? The next time I hear someone say, yeah, I'm pregnant. It was an accident. I'm going to lose my mind. There are no accidents. I'm just going to rant for a second. Spilling your coffee is an accident. Stubbing your toe is an accident. A fender bender on the way to work is an accident. Producing a child was no accident. Oops. I didn't know what happened there. I just, whoa, wow, oh. Just the strangest thing. Unexpected, unplanned, sure. Accidents stop it. Moving on. So when it comes to making children and making more, stay with me, there requires a certain proximity required. And I'm not going to get any more crude than that, but that's what it requires, correct? Now, when it comes to making miracles and it comes to making blessings in your life, you can say the exact same thing. That you can't produce a miracle. And we all know that to be true, but you can get close to the one who can. You can invite the one who has the power of life into your life. You can make room. The Shunammite woman made room. She made space. She designated an area that that this this is a holy man of God. I want him in my life. She made room. And you need to hear this today. If you are going to experience God in your life, it is going to be because you decided to give him space. It's not going to, God does not force himself on anyone. God chose before the foundations of the world to give you and I free will. And he will not force himself on anyone, but he does say, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open it, I will come in with you. He will not force himself. So our job is to make room for God to come in. She made room. Here's what I know to be true, and I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in others, other people's lives. People who have seen God do incredible things in their lives are people who have made incredible room for him to move. And the people who actually see God do the most amazing things are the people who have made the most room for God to do so. You play a part in all of this, is what I'm getting at. And a lot of us, we, do, we don't engage. We think, where's my miracle? Where's my blessing? Why isn't God moving on my behalf? And I would push back and say, where have you made room for God to do anything? Where have you made room? We can look at her story. We can see how she did it. First and foremost, she made room in her mind, didn't she? This is about Theology. This is about how you think about God. Notice she said this. Another translation says it better. She says, I perceive that he is a man of God. Her perception was right about who God is. She perceived, her mind expanded. She made room in her mind that said this, God can do whatever he wants. This idea that God is able. If you don't believe that God is able, God is not going to do the impossible in your life. She believed that God is able. She, she, made, she perceived that's a holy man of God. She made room in her mind. Verse 9, I know this man who comes our way. He is a holy man of God. She perceived him as special. Here's something you need to know. You have to position your mind and position your life to be Blessed. Do you understand that? She positioned her mind in such a way that made her uh, receptive, receptible to God's blessing. She respected him. She revered him. She, she honored him. She blessed him. She gave to him. This miracle began by her making room in her mind. This is so huge, and I don't want to miss this. Do you know that within the confines of your mind, you have the power to dictate whether God can or cannot do anything in your life? Within what you believe. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus, when he went from town to town, it said he came to Nazareth. Nazareth is Jesus' hometown. In his hometown, Luke records, he was unable to do any amazing miracles there because of their unbelief. They said of Jesus, they said, oh, he's not special. That's just the carpenter's son. You see, how they perceived him made or broke what he was able to do for them. It had nothing to do about his power. It had everything to do with their perception of his power. This is why, let me just, let me just take an aside for a second. This is why as a church, I'm always riding you to, to, to engage with the Word of God. This is why I want you to say amen. It's not because I need it. It's not because it makes me feel better. Some of you, when I ever, if there's ever a week where I feel like you're sleeping and I'm pressing on you, some of you just so kindly will say at the end, I was listening, I was listening. I, the reason I'm pushing is not because I'm offended. The reason I push to know that you're engaged is because I know your engagement level and the posture of your mind will make or break what you receive. And so that's why I'm always on you. That's why it's important to say amen. Here, here's what I know to be true from experience. The person who comes to church ready to receive that you don't think they're just singing songs. You think they're singing to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and that all of heaven and creation are responding. Your perception is bigger. How, how, you want to believe that worship matters to them. Or the person who comes in and they bring notes because they know that's not just some dude's opinion. That's God speaking to me. I want it. I want God to say something to me. The person who's got their Bible open, who's leaning forward, who comes on time. You are going to get more out of it than the person who rolls in late, is on their phone, gets up and down, goes to the bathroom four times. It's, it's going to be night and day and it has everything to do with your posture. That's why I'm always on you. It's not because I'm cranky, Honestly. It's because I want you to receive everything I believe God has for you. And your posture and your perception will make or break what you get out of it. Do you understand that? That's an awesome place to say amen. That's just a saying. That's a real good place to say amen. I'm going to take a drink. She made room in her mind. She positioned herself for blessing. She made room in her life with her space. She invested in this. She had the builders come and they built a new room and she went out and picked out furniture. She went down to Leon's and Leon's had a sale going on and she picked out the nicest she could find and she put it up in there just for Elijah because she wanted to bless him and honor him. And so she made actual tangible space in her world for God to dwell And the same goes for us. Here's my question. Where is the space you make in your world? How do we make space? We do it by faithfulness. We do it by obedience. We we do it by working unto God for his glory. That's how we make space in our lives for him. Here's, Here's something. Here's a tweetable statement. God cannot bless what you have not given him. God can't bless what you haven't given him. God cannot move into where you have not permitted him. God will not go where you have not invited him. What room have you made? And here's, so here's the hard truth. Some of us are praying and hoping for a miracle. And God is saying, I would do it if you would get out of the way, if you would make space. Some of us are praying, God, help me be a better husband. And yet he's already told you, stop looking at that stuff. And help me be a better husband. Help me be a better husband, he said. You, you need to stop what you're looking at on the computer and, and I'll help you. But you haven't moved. You haven't made room. Or some of you are praying, God, heal my body. And God's already said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that for you, but I want you to start taking care of yourself. I want you to eat right. How have you made room? God, here's a huge one. Here's a huge one. I encounter this all the time. God, would you help me? I need a financial breakthrough. I need to get out of debt. And God would say, if you give me what, what is mine first, I will take care of the rest. You see, God cannot bless what you have not given him. God cannot go where you have not permitted him. She made room for God to move in her life. I think a lot of the time we get angry at God for not doing something on our behalf when he's waiting for us to make a way for him to come through and make something amazing happen. Miracles happen. Blessings happen. Blessings are born when you start making room for the miracle maker. Shara Hansen just tweeted that. Thank you, Shara. I should turn off my notifications. <laughs> this is real life, y'all. This is not. This is not scripted. Let's keep going. So, first first point is this: make room for the presence of God. It's about proximity. It's about. And I'm not trying to be crude. This this is true. Position yourself for blessing. Position your life for blessing. Let's keep going. So, Elisha, verse 13. Let's pick up in verse 13. Guys, uh, it says, as Elisha said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. So now what can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people, which is to say it's another translation says my, my family takes good care of me. I'm all set. I'm good. I don't need money. I don't need a position. I don't need, I don't need accolades or glory. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. That's probably the best translation. Now I'm fine. You ever notice sometimes the most successful people are the hardest to bless? They don't even know how to take stuff. They don't even know how to receive because they've just worked for everything. She says, I'm fine. What can be done for her? Elisha asked Ahazai. Well, she has no son and her husband's old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway And Elisha spoke this. Now, this is the word of God. Now, understand this. This is God speaking. Elisha was God's representative. God is speaking a promise to her. About this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Watch her response. No, no, no. No, my Lord. No, don't, 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 don't go there. Don't, don't get my hopes up. Don't say that. Don't say that. I can't, I can't believe that again. Don't, don't. She says, no, my Lord. Don't, don't trick your servant. Don't, don't get my hopes up. Don't say that. She objected. She says, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. Here's the second thing. I'm going to break this down. In order to see your life, see a blessing birth, a new thing birth in your life, a breakthrough, it's going to take room. You're going to have to make room for the promise You have to make room for the promise, for the word that God has spoken. It's about giving what God has said permission to enter your heart. If you're ever gonna experience the promise of God coming to life in your life, you actually have to receive it. And that is actually even more difficult sometimes than making space for God. Because what happens is, a lot of the time we understand that what is associated with the promise of God, it's going to mean a whole bunch of other things, correct? Like for instance, when we're talking about making babies, we have this thing called contraception because contraception keeps the implications of coming together contracepted. I guess, for lack of a better word. Are you with me? Because, and this isn't right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not making a statement on contraception. I, I am permanently contracepted. like just, just saying. <laughs> my wife, my wife, my poor, beautiful wife. Anyway, people use contraception because they're not ready to deal with the implications of having a baby, correct? That's why we have it. And, and the same is true when it comes to a word of God. We know when God says something, things kick into action. You know God's word is active, not passive. When God created the heavens and the earth, how did he do it? He spoke his word. When God says something, things happen, and there are implications to those things. And here's the deal. We know with change, even good change, there's a lot of discomfort that comes with that. There's a lot of implications. And so for her, we got to put ourselves in her shoes. Can you imagine this woman? We don't know how old she is, but the the dream of having a child had long since died. And she had built up a nice life letting that dream go. Like the, the Bible says in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if hope's deferred long enough and the heart gets sick enough, that's when we let dreams die. And so she had built up a life around that, and, and yet Elisha kind of puts his finger in the wound, doesn't he? She, she sort of yelps. She sort of says, no, no, don't, don't go there. Don't go there. You ever have a wound in your life that you were able to kind of build up around it in such a way that it was comfortable, but if you moved the wrong way or that person showed up that day or they said that thing and all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, that still hurts? Like, like if you put your back out. Anybody ever put their back out? Like if you get into like one position, you can just stay there and it doesn't hurt so bad. But as soon as you move, you're like, oh yeah, there it is. See, Elisha put his finger on the wound. This is a sore spot, this, this promise she had in her heart at one point where she wanted to believe, I want to be a mom, but a lifetime of disappointment in that area. And now here this man comes and shows up this day and says, I'm gonna, you're going to be a mom. This is the word of the Lord. You will have a child next year. And her first response is this is a difficult thing to believe. I mean, my, my husband's old. I'm not that young. Like, I mean, and then, and then, then there's a the whole, like, what if it doesn't happen? What if I get my hopes up again and then it doesn't happen? What if, how long is this going to take? Like, what, what does this mean? What are the implications of that? When it comes to making miracles, when it comes to receiving, when it comes to making miracles and seeing God give birth to something new in your life, you have to actually let your guard down enough to receive what God says and you actually have to look at the possible implications you have to say i want that more than anything else that the cost of the disruption is less than the gain of the of the blessing this is why this is why we have such a hard time when, when we hear a word of god like i have friends i have friends that were called into ministry where god someone thro- god spoke through someone to them and said you will you need to give your life to ministry and they heard it but they kept it at arm's length. Just kind of waiting for something to fall in their lap when in actuality God's saying, you must say yes to what I have said. You have to receive what I have said. Here's what I know to be true. Again, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a botanist, I'm a preacher, but I do know this. When it comes to having babies, there's this thing called conception, correct? It takes reception for conception. It's like a rhyme. I feel like that, like that stingray off Finding Dory, right? Like It takes reception for conception. Stay with me. And the same goes when it comes to making miracles. You, you have to actually receive, you have to let your guard down. I'm, I'm going I'm to go there. There are forms of spiritual contraception we put up that block the word of God, the seed of the word. Jesus at one point called the word seed. Seed, that source of new life. There are forms of spiritual contraception that we put up to keep it at arm's length, to take the danger and the disruption and the potential discomfort out of having to receive the word of God. But the same as as there's risk associated to making more children. I I remember when when Melanie and I were praying about having Alex, our almost two-year-old. And for a very long time, just being real candid, I I was concerned. We had two very healthy kids. And I was like, well, I don't want to risk illness or another miscarriage. I don't want to risk that. And I felt God speak to me and say, when do you start making decisions out of fear? But there's a level when it comes to making babies, there's a level of risk associated with it. Am I right? There's a level of discomfort. We'll get there. There's a level of disruption that comes with that. And it's the same when it comes to following God. If you are going to receive the word God has spoken to you, that comes at a certain cost. And a lot of us are not prepared to actually pay the price to receive the word God has spoken to us. And so we just kind of keep it at arm's length. We get close to God, we come to church, but we won't let our guard down enough to actually step out and grab the promise God has spoken to us. I'll play that out for you. This past week, it was kind of fun. Uh, We were in the lobby after youth night, and and me and a few of my friends were there. And my friend Anthony had his ear plugged. And so we're standing there and He's telling us about his ear, and so I just felt God prompt me to pray for him. Maybe it was just for my obedience. Maybe it was to heal him. But I did, and I said, hey, let's pray for your ear. And so I put my hand on him, and, and we prayed for his ear in Jesus' name because we know that Jesus has the power to open deaf ears, correct? And so we prayed for that and said amen, and then my other buddy said, if it's God's will. And I, and I looked at him, and I, I don't know if I was being ornery or not, but I said, that's a, that's a weak prayer. I said, that's an off-ramp. That's an off ramp from having to deal with the possible embarrassment of the fact that you prayed and it didn't happen. That's why we pray that. That's why when we come together and say, well, God, if it's your will to heal, that's contraception. That's, that's, That's not having to get so close that you have to bear the weight of the possible disruption of the word of God being received. But to receive it Means I will lay hands. The, Bible, the word of God says, lay hands on the sick and pray for them and they shall recover. So you need to fully receive and believe that word if you're ever going to see that happen in your life. So that's, that's, that's what it means. Receive the word of God. I, I, I got eight minutes and 32 seconds left and I got so much to say. Here's a question I'd ask you before we're getting, getting there. How many of God's blessings are we essentially saying no to because we aren't willing to risk the discomfort or vulnerability required to receive the promise? This woman had to wrestle with it. It wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't like a, oh, yeah! She knew that if I was going to do this, well, I'm I'm going to be the woman in Shunem who's who's in her 50s having a baby. They're going to talk at the hair salon and my family's going to worry about me for getting excited about something and possibly getting my hopes out. Like, this wasn't an easy decision for her. How many of God's blessings are we essentially saying no to because we aren't willing to risk the discomfort or vulnerability required to receive the word? You have to receive the word. You have to let it in. Like some of you, some of you are here, maybe this is hitting really close to home. Maybe there's some, some young mothers-to-be who are like, you know, we still, we've we been trying for two years and we can't have a kid. Maybe this is hitting real close to home and you know God has spoken in your heart and said, you will be a mom. Are you willing to risk the potential letdown next month to hang on to that word? And say, I will let the word of God define my expectation, not my experiences. You have to receive it. You have to receive it. It's kind of like, like Mary, the mother of Jesus. I hope you're familiar with that story. If you're not, we'll preach on it sometime. But the mother of Jesus was visited by an angel, and the angel came and said, said the word of the Lord to her. said, Mary... You shall receive a son. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and conceive inside of you a son who is not just any son. He will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. His kingdom will know no end. He will be the salvation unto Israel and to all who believe it's going to be inside of you. You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. And it's this amazing moment, but you, you, don't, you don't put yourself there on this young teenage girl. Like She had to think at the, at the time, like, okay, wait, 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 wait a minute how's that going to work? Like, I'm going to just magically be pregnant. Like, is like, how does that work? And then how's it going to work? I'm engaged. Like my, my, my guy, Joseph, he's going to think I was up to stuff. Like, how's that going to work? He's going to, he's going to question me. Like, how's that going to work? And then of course my town, they're going to think that I've I've been out sleeping around and I slept with someone. God, you know, they can stone me for that. And all of those implications must have been running in her mind. And yet she looked on the promise and said, this promise is too good to give up for, the cost, for what it might cost me. And so her answer in Luke 1, she says, May it be unto me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me, everything you have said to me come true. That's what it looks like to receive the promise. You will never conceive a miracle or a move of God in your life until you're actually willing to let your guard down and receive the promise. And, and we don't know when it happened for this woman. We don't know at what point in, in the journey it happened. But it had to be fairly quickly after this conversation because it just skips to it in verse 17. And it says this about the Shunammite woman, verse 17 in our passage. says, the woman became pregnant. Woohoo! She became pregnant. And the next year, about that time, she gave birth to a son, Just like God said, just like the man of God said, just like Elisha said, she became pregnant. Here's the third and final point. You have to make room for the process. When it comes to seeing God do something in your life and to create something new in your life, it will always come with a process, with a preparation season. And, And it's the same with making babies, right? With giving birth to babies, there is a process. It is not microwave procreation, it is not press the button and beep, there it is. It's, it's, it takes some time, correct? Yeah? I, I, I didn't really like being pregnant. Um, the cramps, sleepless nights, the cravings, the labor, it was all a lot to watch. It was just saying, just saying. It was, My wife was a champ, but when it comes to it, there is discomfort within the development. Pregnancy is a process. The miracle of childbirth is a process. There is a gestation period in human beings. It's nine months. I like how it says, yeah, about that time. This was not a scheduled cesarean section. This was like, it came when it came, right? Like about that time. Takes about nine months for humans. I looked up, I was just Googling. There are some animals, like an elephant, takes up to two years. Can you imagine, ladies? (laughs) Two years? Can you imagine, husbands? (laughs) We're having fun in church, right? It's a process. And here's the thing, and I hope this helps somebody. There is such a thing as being expecting a miracle. It's okay to be waiting, to be preparing, to be expecting God to do something. And in fact, that's the bulk of the time involved. There's there's that moment where you get the word, where where you knew God spoke to you. Maybe it's right now, you hear God speaking to you. And you say, yes, God, I receive that. And then there's this season that happens before you are holding the blessing. It's the same when it comes to God moving. And I think for a lot of us, we, we... we almost let the promise die. We almost forget that we're carrying a promise and in due time, we will give birth. You think about this. The Shunammite woman, like play this out, I love to picture and put my mind in the Bible and this is is good to do, like let it come to life because it is alive. Think about this, like okay, she has this moment with Elisha, Elisha packs up and moves on, And then she has to like decide, okay, am I gonna like, am I gonna believe this or not? Like really, I'm 50 something years old. My husband's like 90, really? And yet at some point she gave way to that promise and she said, okay, I believe it. So she decides, okay, I'm gonna go talk to my husband, tell him what Elisha said. He was easy to convince. I am the Lord's servant, let's go, right? Like he was easy to do his part. And and so they start trying. And then sure enough, she starts actually, she starts feeling the, the symptoms. She's feeling morning sickness. And then she starts showing. But, but there's also people talking around her and, and hoping, oh, I hope she's not getting her hopes up. I hope she, her family's concerned, right? Like she had to walk this out. And then, of course, she's getting past the second trimester. And it's clear, wow, God's word, it's coming. It's coming. It's happening. It's coming. He said it, and here it comes. And then you think, she's getting seven months eight months, nine months, and now she's fully showing she's ready. And it's like, it's like a hot shunamite summer and there's no air conditioning. And yet she's walking this thing out. Like she had to walk out that promise in real time. Like, like all of the social implications and all of the physical implications, like it was real. She had to walk this out. And then about that time, The next year, her water breaks and she gives birth to this promise. And that's what it looks like in your life. Like there is a season where you have to carry the promise in faith and it comes about that time. Any women ever been overdue? It's not fun. That's not fun. Any husbands ever had a wife overdue? That's not fun. And it gets harder the the more, like, where you start feeling overdue. And you're like, this should should have happened by now. And I think there are a lot of people, and I felt even as I asked God, like, who's here this weekend? I think there are some people here who you've made room for God. And and you've you've even received the promise. And you're starting to wonder, like, I I have been hanging on to this for a while. It's about that time. I just felt God want to encourage you, saying it's it's, it's at, at just the right time. Galatians 6, verse 9, Paul gives us encouragement. He says, Let us not grow weary in doing what is good. At just the right time, not too soon, not too late, at just the right time. Do you know that God's promises are delivered right on time? So you can know that if it hasn't come yet, that God, you're still in process. Baby's not ready. You're not ready. At just the right time, let's bring that back up. Do not grow weary in doing what is good, for at just the right time, you will reap a harvest. You will give birth to the blessing if you don't give up. Don't give up. I don't know what you're praying for. I just, oh, I feel it in my heart. I don't know what you've been praying for. I don't know what you're expecting. But you need to hear, like, you're in process, and that's part of it. Hold on. This woman had to walk it out. Childbirth is a process. Birthing a blessing is a process at just the right time. And there's discomfort, there's pain, there's concern, there's uncertainty. I think the thing that bothered me the most about that pregnancy season, and probably my wife would say the same thing, above all of the the pains and discomforts was the overall sense of being completely out of control with that life. Some of you feel that right now. There's a process you have to go through. But here's what I want to just keep in mind. At just the right time, it'll come. And no mother, that moment they hold their baby, no mother is looking back and saying, yeah, but that was so uncomfortable. That first time that baby cries and the mother gets to hold the baby, they're never saying, yeah, but that was the worst Ten minutes, or two hours, or two days of my life, or that was the worst like trimester. No one's, no, I, at least mine didn't. My wife wasn't fuming at the at the years. Like really, All I gets is baby. No, it was it was. She wasn't she wasn't even thinking about what it cost. That was old news. All of a sudden, when that blessing is born, it's all worth it, isn't it? So I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to hear it. Like hang on, it will be worth it. I asked God, well, it was about Thursday night, and I was just spending a little time, and I was like, God, I don't want to just, like, this is some cool stuff, and I'm excited to preach this. It's fun to preach, but God, why? Why does this matter? Who am I talking to? And first, he kind of spoke to me. He said, well, I want to encourage you. He said, hang on, and I'll just be candid really quick. Like, when it comes to this church, and when it comes to the ministry, I believe God has called me to. God has spoken some things to me that, believe me, with all the growth and exciting things that I praise God for and I've seen, it just doesn't even scratch the surface of what God's put in my heart. And there are days where I fight discouragement and disappointment. Like, oh God. Like, I'm believing for the day when people are lying down the street wanting to hear the word. I'm believing for the day when, like, my sons and my daughter and your sons and daughters are like fluent in kingdom mentality and they they, they see things different and I'm I'm believing for the day when the kids in our kids ministry are when they're laying hands on one another I just, see it. It's in there. And there are days where I'm fighting discouragement. I felt the Lord say to me, and I hope this helps you. I felt him say, it's a process. You're pregnant. And at just the right time, not too soon, not too late, not not past due. When I decide that vision happens, it happens. You just stay faithful and you walk out the process. And I don't know where you're at. And I said, God, why, why are we going here? Why, who are you talking to? And I felt him say, "There are, goes right with the message. There are three things to consider whether you're here. One, some of you... Are wondering why I don't ever experience God in my life? Why don't I ever see something? Why don't I ever produce kingdom stuff when everyone else is? And I believe God's asking you: Where have you made room? Where have you made any room in your life for God to do anything? And I think there are people here that you have kept the promise of God at arm's length. You have contracepted what God wants to put in your heart because it costs you too much or there's too much unknown or too much uncertainty and he has spoken to it and I believe he's saying, would you just just receive what I have said? And I got a great burden for the one who's here and you've just been carrying a promise and you're waiting. When, when is this gonna happen? When, is it, when am I gonna hold that baby? And I just, I just felt the Lord say, it, just in time, just in time. Would you stand? I wanna pray for you. Don't give up at just the right time. Our memory verse for this series, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. Therefore we do not lose heart. For we fix our eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen, because what is unseen is temporary, what is seen is eternal. Then there's that part where it says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory which far outweighs, far outweighs glory beyond all compare." We look not to things seen, but what is unseen. I want to encourage somebody. Let me me just say a few things here. Declaration. God's word always accomplishes its purposes. Every word God has spoken will come to pass. God will finish what he started. Let's pray. God, we believe you are a wonder-working, miracle-making God, that there is nothing impossible for you. And so even in this moment, God, we just, we just make room in our minds and say there's, there's, there's our wildest dreams of what you're able to do, and then there's infinitely more what you're actually able to do. Nothing is impossible for you. You can do anything. We believe you're a miracle-working God, and we will not settle to let our experience or our past letdowns or let, let modern thinking just deter us from the reality that there is a God. He is mighty to save. His arm is not too short that he can't reach us. You are all that you are, God, and you are so much more than we even imagine. As Paul said, you are exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than we ask or even imagine. We believe that. Now, Lord, would you teach us, would, even in these next few moments, would you put your finger on areas where you want us to clear out and make room to get close to you, to let you come in? We can't make a miracle happen, but we can invite you in. God, would you put your finger on those areas where we've put our guard up and said, no, no, I can't accept this. Would you, would you show us that what we stand to gain far outweighs anything we might lose? And God, I pray for the one here today who's discouraged, they're overdue, their feet are tired, they're uncomfortable, they can't sleep. God, would you encourage them that just at just the right time, don't let them lose hope. Give them hope and courage, we pray. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus and all God's people who receive it, say amen. Every word God has spoken shall come to pass. Let me just do this. don't always do this, but I know the Holy Spirit's just moving, and I feel His presence, and this is kind of an old-fashioned thing, and we don't even technically have what they called altars, um, but we have this space up here that we could just call some room for God to move, and I'm gonna let Kelly lead us in a song. But as she does that, maybe maybe God's put his finger on your life, said, you know, you've been mad at me, and I want you to make some space, and there's something you need to repent. There's something you need to, to lay down. I want to invite you to come forward and just kneel down and give it to God and have a moment for him to minister to you. Or maybe some of you are running from a calling, or you're denying a promise, and God's saying, just receive it. Open yourself up and receive. And then maybe some of you, and I feel there's several of you here for this, you're overdue. You just need to hear, feel some encouragement from Almighty God, from our good Father, that your time is coming. You just keep walking and you keep moving. I want to invite you if God's speaking to your heart, move, make room, and be obedient and come as they sing. And you guys can respond, and we'll come and we'll pray with you. Why don't you come?